most of us aren't sure if anything we do in our lives matter. And a book is one of the ways that you can both prove that you existed, you can prove that what you did mattered to other people, and you can leave a legacy, right? And those things kind of all wrap together. It's a proof of life, a proof of existence, a proof of meaning, a proof of purpose. It's all of those things. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, The Underdog, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to my very good friend, Tucker Max. Yes, Tucker Max, the best-selling author who sold over 3 million copies of his book worldwide. He's also the founder of book publishing company, Scribe Media, whose mission is to help everyone on the earth write and publish their own book. So some of you might know that I've been thinking about writing my own book. So on this call, I basically asked Tucker all the questions I've been struggling with myself. If writing a book is something that you see yourself doing at some point down the road, you will love this episode. In this conversation, you'll enjoy three giant things. Number one, the one big question you should ask yourself before you ever start writing a book. Two, the two main reasons you should write a book. Hint, it's not for the money. And three, Tucker and I get vulnerable about how we're not living up to our full potential and what we're doing about it. It's called Destiny Shoes, baby. You got to listen for it. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we jump into the conversation, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. I share juicy, juicy videos and nuggets that you may not get on the podcast. It's youtube.com slash okdork. That's youtube.com slash okdork. By the way, if you are starting or growing a business and you have a lot of fear or you don't know what the hell your idea is going to do, check out monthly1k.com. It is $7 and we give you the money back once you make it. And it is a course we put together that's helped thousands of people start businesses. Check it out, monthly1k.com. Also, a special pre-show shout-out listener to Fat Fubble from the United Kingdom. Feel good vibes with loads of juicy insights. Thank you so much for the comments and the reviews. I love every single one of them. If you want to shout-out in a future episode, leave an iTunes review, Spotify review, Dogs review, wherever it is, I will find it. I check every one of them. I appreciate you guys for listening and taking action for yourself. So we're talking books. I was journaling this morning and I was, I was trying to think about why do I want to do this? And what am I hoping to get out of it? And, you know, Tim was saying, if you're not willing to do a year, are you willing to kill trees? Are you trying to get famous? And part of me was like, yeah, I want to take, you know, my brand and my knowledge to the next level. One of the things we've talked about in our companies, we, we've done this course called Monthly 1K, where these are just like, how do you overcome fear and, and start a business? And so that's been something that people have really responded with. Lately, I'm, I'm more in line, like, I don't know if I care about how many sales I get, but more something I'm proud of and something that if someone's looking to start a business, I'm like, yo, here's the book. The first question anyone should ask before they write a book is, why am I writing this? What do I want to get personally, selfishly even? So before we even talk about the idea, what do you yeah. want to get out of this? So a few different things. I want to work with amazing people. Uh, you know, I know that, that at Scribe, there's people there or, you know, I've talked to Charlie about being involved. And I think there'd be something interesting about putting together with other people and working on that project. I like the challenge. I want to try working on just one thing, just one thing focused and doing a really amazing job at that. I want to see if I could do it. Okay. So you want to work with great people. You want to see if you can do it and you want to focus on one thing for an extended period. Yeah. Okay. But you do realize just real quick, even if you write a book, it won't be the only thing you're doing. That would be nice. Actually, that would be awesome. I'm a professional writer. I write every day, right? I'm, I'm working on two books right now. And uh, I only can write about four hours a day. Yeah, I think that's where the, it's, it's, I'm a little bit lacking on that, right? Like, I think some of the things I've wanted, I'm like, I really want to go do this. So I have to go do this. And this is a little bit that others have suggested it. And 
I'm just trying to explore it this month to figure out like, is this something I really want to invest in and what do I want to get out of it? Right. So that's what I'm asking. Like, what is it you want? If there isn't a deep, important why, you aren't making it through all the valleys that come to writing a book. It's kind of how I'm feeling. I don't think I have the why yet. Then don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, oh, let's convince myself. And I'm like, I don't really want to go hard on that yet. You should sell yourself before you write a book. It shouldn't be a hard sell. It should be an easy sell. What are some of the the common answers you hear from people? Legacy is a huge one, which usually it takes people a while to admit to themselves that legacy is part of it because like they don't want to admit. But like the reality is we are all fairly insignificant apes on a small little rock away from everything. And most of us aren't sure if anything we do in our lives matter. And a book is one of the ways that you can both prove that you existed, you can prove that what you did mattered to other people, and you can leave a legacy, right? And those things kind of all wrap together. It's a proof of life, a proof of existence, a proof of meaning, a proof of purpose. It's all of those things, right? And I'm not saying it, like everyone who writes a book has to have those, but most of the answers that people give reduce down. If you boil them down, that's what they boil down to. That's in terms of legacy, right? Or in terms of deep emotional meanings. The other part that's related to this is sharing of themselves. Everyone wants to be seen and recognized and validated for what they've done. And a book is a great way to do that, to prove that you have done things that matter to other people. It's easy to spend, you know, build a business or be a coach or do all these sorts of things. But like a book is proof, indisputable proof. People that I don't know bought this and read it and left reviews and their lives change because of that. That's a thing that the negative voices in your head can't argue against or can't argue as well against. That's legacy and impact, which often go together, right? Those are kind of the deeper, the bedrock emotional issues. Now, on top of that come all of the more surface rational issues. Like I want to increase my authority in my field or my visibility in my field, or I want to increase my credibility, my reputation, anything like that, right? Reputation, authority, expertise, credibility, all usually lead to more business. And you can define sales or business in a lot of different ways. Like if you're a coach or a consultant, you've got the defining book on some subject, you're the go-to person, you sell more, et cetera, right? You can also define that very, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, like books that sell supplements, books that promote SaaS companies, books that whatever. Or if you're a professional writer, you can get into the game of selling copies of books, which is kind of the worst way to make money. As someone who sold millions of copies, I'm just telling you, it's awful. You don't want to go down that road. The best way to look at a book is a piece of marketing that you can get paid for to use, right? You're going to make a little bit of money on the marketing. You don't make any money on paid ads. You make money from what paid ads get you, right? But a book gets you a bunch of stuff where you make the big money. And then also you get paid on the book too. That's the kind of the ROI thing. And then, you know, it can lead to other things. Uh, Reputation increase can lead to speaking. It can lead to other opportunities. It can lead to raising your status. And raising your status always unlocks all kinds of not direct business opportunities, but indirect opportunities as well. And then the other big thing is that it's a hook for media, right? If you want to get on more podcasts or get more attention, et cetera, et cetera, like someone like you is actually a really good example of this. Because you have a a big company, you've gotten a lot of attention. People like, big people like Tim Ferriss have talked about you, but you don't have a thing, like a piece of 
creative output to hang your hat on. Like, let's take a, someone else who's on Ryan or on uh, Tim's podcast all the time, like Ryan Holiday. Like, Ryan's done nothing comparatively to you compared to in, uh, building businesses or all of that impact. He just sits at home and writes his little books, which are cool, whatever, right? Like, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I struggle with this. This is what I struggle. I'm curious to hear your opinion. And he has, in a lot of people's eyes, he has more status than you do, even though. If you were to actually line up your accomplishments, it's a joke that he'd be in the same conversation with you. You know, if we're only measuring people that way, which is yeah. not the only way to measure people, of course. But like, it's almost ridiculous the relative status that you two are in the same category of relative status, and he's done nothing but write books, <laughs> and you've done everything except write a book. Right? So think about that for a second. Yeah, I've struggled with that specifically. Over the years, right? I've struggled with how much do I want a public persona? How much do I want to be out here? Versus I've always respected more the makers. And to me, the maker is the Bezos, it's the Zuckerberg, it's the Gates, it's the people who've made the products or the businesses that the people benefit from. And the authors have only started respecting a little bit more. And that's where I struggled because I look at Bezos, I'm like, he's never written a book. He doesn't run a podcast. I'm with you. I'm someone who's very clearly both built an eight figure company now that employs hundreds of people. And sold millions. Like I'm, I'm straddling both fields very solidly. And I'm telling you, the maker field is way harder. The maker field is way more, it produces way more value. It's crazy because I, I have more prestige for the other field, but this field is way better in my opinion. But that being said, you don't have to pick one or the other. You can have both. I'm the perfect proof of it. And I went the opposite direction that you'd be going. It's way easier to go from maker to author. Now you're speaking from a position of authority. Hey, you want to learn subject X? I've done subject X six times. I'm going to teach you how. And with even half-decent storytelling and a half-decent team around you, you can produce very good books. And if you really put in the time and effort, you can produce great books. Whereas like, if someone's just an author, they've got to become great at storytelling. They've got to become great at understanding all those aspects. Which is why it was relatively easy for me to go from being an author only into business and have a lot of success quickly in a lot of different ways because I was such a good storyteller. That's the avenue I keep trying to tell all my author friends to go is once you're a really established author, you have a set of skills that almost no one in business, none of the makers have. They don't know how to really tell stories, most of them. The ones that can tell stories are considered the gods, Musk, Jobs, all those people, they're not better makers than any number of other people. They're just better storytellers, right? And so like, that's the thing I try and convince them, but they don't, they can't hear me because their status is so tied up with being an author, writer, creative. They see being a maker as down status for them, which in certain circles it is. I think that's bullshit, but that's how they think. I was thinking about the idea that just because you eat, you think you know what good food is, you'd be a good chef, right? And just because I read books, I think I'd be a good author. You know why you'd be a good author? Because you know you have things to say. You know, being a writer and being an author are very different things. I teach this as a specific thing in our course that we teach, which is free, by the way, like the amazing fucking course. Where can people find it? Just go to scribebookschool.com. It's all there. Okay. It's like a you know five-day whatever, like what people pay us thousands of dollars for. We have it up for free. They pay for publishing and editing and service help. Anyway, so we have a whole thing about this. An author and writer are different identities. An author is someone who writes books. A professional writer is someone who gets paid 
exclusively on book sales. Like that is the thing that they do. All professional writers are also authors. Very few authors are professional writers. You would be an author. I'm both. Ryan Holiday's both. Tim Ferriss is both. Like the three of us, I'm not as much now, but the three of us early on defined as professional writers. This is how we get paid. You don't get paid off of this. And so you're in a whole different category. But a lot of authors define their books the way that professional writers do. So they worry about, oh, I've got to open a vein on the keyboard and spend a year at this. And I've got to have beautiful sentences. That's all bullshit. Those are things that professional writers worry about, either because they think they sell books, they help them sell books, or because they are status markers within the professional writer hierarchy. You're not in that hierarchy. You don't give a shit about them, right? But if you look at a book as a vehicle for you to leave a legacy, create impact, and then help your other businesses, then all you have to do is show up and teach what you know, which you're already great at because you do it in multiple other mediums. I get this comment about once a month on my YouTube or podcast or blog. They're always like, you should be more popular. And I feel that way. And it's not as an arrogance, but it's a belief that I believe the messages and the things that we learn at the company and the things that I share from what we're experiencing, there's nothing out there like it. And I I do get a little disappointed at times where like this message should be bigger. And so I guess one part I've wondered, is the book the best way for that? Or is there another medium for that? There's two different things here. A book would absolutely be one of the best ways for you to raise your status and get your message further. More people would take you. There is no better way to get into media than to have a book. Dude, Oprah doesn't say, oh, my next guest has a new cat video on YouTube. (laughs) She doesn't, dude. Like maybe Ellen brings some people on, but those are only people with viral videos who are make fools of themselves. The people they bring on as authorities and experts are people who wrote the book on the subject. Right? So you want media to take you seriously, you need to write a book on what you're talking about. But that's not the only reason you're not as big as you are, as you should be. Because I agree with the comment. You are not as big as you should be. I would say if we're dividing the percentages, a book is worth 30 or 40% of that. But the majority, I'm not sure how much of the majority is, you still either don't believe or are unwilling to be as big as you could be. You're not willing to step into your destiny shoes and walk out. That's just the reality. When I started this company five years ago, we have barely changed how we make books, how we write books. I knew 90% of what I know now and how to write books. What I didn't know was how to teach people how to write books, which I've gotten way better at, really good at, and how to work people through their underlying fears and emotional issues writing a book. I had to do all that myself when I wrote my first one and my second and third to a different degree. That was like a decade ago, and it was so long ago, I've forgotten what it's like. The problem with writing a book is not information. It's always fear. Because writing a book raises, it changes their identity, and it raises their status. And for most people, that's terrifying. I thought of, I'm afraid. You are. Which, that's the first step to getting past it, is admitting that that's actually a thing. I am. I'm curious how you recommend I explore that, that fear. You know, I'm reading this book. This, have you ever heard of the book Surrender Experiment? <laughs> Yeah, Shut dude. up, dog. Have you heard of it? Of course, man. So I hated The Untethered Soul. I didn't hate it. That's too strong. But, as, but that book sold millions of copies. I'm like, this book is garbage. And then someone who was smart said, no, 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 dude, you need to go read his memoir where he talks about the same stuff, but in a memoir form, Surrender Experiment. And I read that and I'm like, oh, this is the book you need to read next. I read this after Surrender Experiment. Changed my life. It's called Letting Go by David Hawkins. 
It's his best book. He's a pretty famous guy in the like the woo woo spiritual space, but he's really good. You will really like it. That after surrender experiment, that's actually how I completely changed the game with psychedelic therapy. How I went from kind of fighting the medicine to writing the medicine. Those two books. But get back to your point. So yes, I read the book. It's amazing. I'm reflecting on that with the you know writing my own journey and sharing being the voice of the experiences that I've gone through. I think especially recently, what's been so powerful for me is all these people have started. And I've started hearing it. They've been saying it. I've never heard that what I've been sharing actually works. Yeah. That's very important. You notice the difference. They've been saying it for years. You finally started hearing it. Yeah. Because you didn't believe it deep down. I did not. A hundred percent. Ask Charlie this actually. It was really interesting. I talked to Charlie last week and I loved it. I was like, fuck, he's got some wisdom in him. I love that guy. And he said, you know why Tim and Ramin are more popular than you? Can you guess why? Because they believe they should be. Probably that. I think that's definitely a big part of it. I've been around them since the beginning. It's not relative to you. It's not that they think they should be bigger than you. They just think they should be at the level they're at. And so they're there and you don't. I think there's that is a huge piece. Another piece that Charlie highlighted is their material has gotten more results for people than mine has. And not as a comparison, but he's like, look, their stuff has it touched and helped more people. And that's all you have to do to get big as well as believe that you should be big. I wonder if theirs has touched and reached more people. Again, not discounting them at all, not putting them down. Yeah, totally. I'm just saying relative to you, if they're more, you guys are in the same category. Tim might have an extra zero on his numbers than you and Ramit, but there's no way Ramit has touched more lives and helped more people than you have if you look at all the stuff you guys have done in conjunction. Because the way Ramit markets versus the way you market, I promise you, you've hit at least as many people as he has. There's something interesting, and I, I don't maybe know the answer at this moment, but it's like, what is holding me back from believing? And there's another question, is, do I really want that, right? But is that just me holding myself back from saying, you know, Ramit believes he should be big, and he became big. And then I, I'm wondering, like, do I really want that? I can't answer that question for you. I know you can't. Right? But I will tell you, I struggled with this recently. I'm a big believer that we're either gifted or whatever, a certain set of skills and abilities, and that our purpose in life is to maximize part of our purpose. I mean, aside from family and connection and love, our work purpose, our creation purpose is to maximize those skills and abilities to the benefit of the most people possible while still respecting ourselves, making time for our loved ones and our family. And of course, like the two things have to be in balance. They're not separate things, right? I don't believe in sacrificing one to the other, right? Like Elon Musk has made that decision. He's going to sacrifice his family and his children for what he's working on. He can make whatever decision he wants. I'm not going to do that. But my point is, it hit home for me during the pandemic that I've been playing small. I've been playing small for a long time, which is funny. Like people look at me like, what the fuck? You're playing small now? Like what the fuck is playing big for you? And I'm like, well, I can play a lot bigger. I don't mean that. It's not a comment on anyone else. It's nothing. It's just, I know I am not maximizing myself and my abilities. And when I realized that, man, it was a hard, hard turd to swallow, man. It was really hard for two reasons. One, because it means I've been betraying myself for years by not being everything I could be. And two, I had to fill my destiny. I had to step into those shoes and walk in them. And I had been afraid to. So I had to admit I was afraid to fill my destiny. And I had to admit that I had held myself back and played small. I had convinced myself I wasn't. And that's why I'd done it, because I didn't want to face either of those truths. How did you recognize that? And what does it, that mean to you? The reason I recognized it is because, so, you know, when the, when the pandemic hit, you know, our March call 
sales call, whatever she was booked, right? We were projecting like, I don't know, 1.12 to 1.5 million in revenue in March. Our call list went clear. <laughs> our, our lead pipeline went from full to zero in a week. <laughs> so we had an existential crisis on our hands for this company, right? And don't get me wrong, JT had set up our company really well. We had cash in the bank. We had a line of credit. We, we weren't just shutting down immediately. We were really healthy as a company. We were about to take a profit share, so we had plenty of money. But I mean, like, what the fuck were we going to do? Because you know, remember, early March, mid-March, no one knew how this was going to play out. And so I had to face the question, what was I not doing? My company was on death ground, and I had to really ask myself the hard questions. And I realized, you know what I'm not doing? Is I am not standing in front of the world doing the thing that I, I know I can do just with this company, which is I wrote the best fucking book ever written on how to write a nonfiction book. I can teach this to the world for free. We already had a plan to kind of do this called Scribe Book School. And like we were kind of rolling it out slow. And I was honestly, I was interfering with it a lot unconsciously because if we did it, it means I would have to get back on stage. And my first run of being on stage, though very successful in a lot of ways, was very painful for me in a lot of ways. And I made a lot of fucking mistakes and I took a lot of shots and a lot of shit. It's painful for me to say it because it's true. I didn't want to get back on stage. And even though this is like a small thing, it was still really getting back on stage. When the careers of 51 full-time and 170 freelance are on the line, I, I don't, there's no more time for my bullshit, right? I got to do what I have to do. And so we did Scribe Book School and it blew up. We did two live training iterations, six weeks apart. They did 400,000 in revenue. We created a new product line that's going through the roof. And like, I can't tell you all the emails, people, thank you so much. And because we're given all like a course that people would most marketers would charge anywhere from two to $5,000 for. We give the information away for free. And then we charge for like coaching services, time, calls, all that stuff, right? But the info is free. It's been amazing, right? But then like, and it's funny, man. I came out of this and I just did a medicine session, which I haven't done in a long time. I've done one for like six months. It was at mushrooms and the mushrooms were like, all right, we're proud of you. You finally, you know, whatever, took the next step. But now we're going to show you where you're really supposed to go. And it kind of showed me a preview and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is big. This is really big. And I was like, all right, well, give me a little time. Like, let me ease into this. Like, yeah, it's fine. You got a little while. I don't know how much of a believer you are in karma and in the Buddhist understanding of souls. I'm not sure I am either, but I'll tell you what they think. Karma is not just negative. Their belief is that we have, our soul has a certain number of iterations to go through lives and that either you get better or you get worse. And that once you transcend a certain plane, whatever enlightenment, then you move to a different, I don't know, something else. But the idea is in every life you have a missions, you have things that you have to accomplish, issues to work through, things to accomplish. And if you don't do the things you can do, the Buddhists say you just got to come back and do it again. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels right to me. It feels like I was given a big set of tasks. And if I don't step up and handle them, then I both betray myself, I fail the people around me, and then I got to come back and do it again anyway. I think I'm back being Noah, which has been a it's been an interesting space in the past few months. I've really felt more like myself than ever before. Like, I don't even remember the last time. And I'm really learning a lot about myself and growing, which that's what I think the book is, is a part of that growth period. I think one of the things that we said is like, you should be big. There's also that desire to be big. Hold on. I don't mean should like as a moralistic judgment. I don't mean should like, here's what I think you should do. Like, you should wear better clothes. 
no, no, no. You have the skills and the abilities and the drive to reach and impact way more people. And you are not maximizing your potential. It's up to you whether you decide you want to or not. We are energetic beings having a physical experience. And part of our job here is to work through past issues and to maximize our positive impact on others. That's what I mean when I say should, which you're, it's a good, I should be more, I need to be more precise with my language with that. No, I, I get it. I mean, it's something that, you know, I talk about it with the word success lately. People are like, you're successful to others. And that's just what they're saying about the other person, not about themselves. And so I'm always careful about that. Two things with what we're talking about. How do you think I should just explore this? You especially should be all in. I mean, you want to be all in before you start. So really think about what you want to get out of a book, but think about in the context of who do you want to be and what do you want to get out of life? A book is only a thing that will help you become who you want to be and get the most or get the things you want out of life. That's it. It's just a vehicle. One thing that we talked about that I still was trying to reflect on is why does a book matter? Like, why does this pieces of paper with words that have been rearranged from different people give so much status? Again, I hate to sound like a, a Buddhist, but like in the larger sense, nothing matters, right? So like keeping that in mind. So let me explain why it has high status in our specific context. It is proof of work, right? It is hard to write a book. You can buy most credentials. You can buy your way into Harvard. I know people who did. You cannot buy your way into a well-written book. Yes, you can hire great ghostwriters. Absolutely. You can even hire ghostwriters and researchers and whatever, and you can have nothing to do with the book. But at the end of the day, you know. You know. You absolutely know. You might get the praise and the plaudits and the everything from the book, but you know that book wasn't yours. It wasn't an expression of you and your soul, right? And so you pay the price for that, even if it's just internal. To be able to write a great book that impacts a lot of people, you have to earn those experiences, be able to relay information and experiences to people in a way that benefits them. This is the definition of value creation. In the same way that a company creates value, books create value. Books do it in a way of helping people think differently or know more things or understand things. Companies more do the work for them, in a sense, products and stuff do more do the work for them, but they're not fundamentally different. And so what's cool about a book though, is that it has a permanence that a company doesn't. The reason it has status is because it forces you to clearly articulate and display who you are. Why people love MMA is because it's truth. There's no lying in fighting. Books are not as honest as MMA, but you and I both know a lot of really famous, really well-known people who bullshitted in their books and they sold a lot of copies the first week because they had status and they bought whatever, blah, 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 but no one talks about their books anymore. They're gone. But we also know a lot of people who wrote great books that they put their souls into that helped a lot of people and people talk about those books over and over and over. It's no different than a statue in a square or your name on a building, except it, it continues to give benefit to people forever if the book's that good. Where my mind goes, which is funny, is the, honestly, I would say the bullshit questions. Should I self-publish or publish? Do I do this? And it, and the it's a distraction, that's actually, Noah. It's distra no, no, no. The real question is, do I want to do this or not? I was thinking about it because I was like, I should ask about this. And it, what really mattered is if I want it, I'll do whatever it takes to get it. Once you decide that this is a thing you want to do, you'll become a demon and you'll blow through it. And then you'll probably write 10 more. I need to explore maybe with mushrooms or MDMA or coaching or just even solitude, which I'm, I'm doing for the next few weeks. Is this is something I want to go all in more, you know, about myself. And the book is just a piece of that. Who do you want to be? 
How do you want to help? What do you want to create? A book's just a vehicle for to answer those questions. It's not the answer. I love you, man. Thank you for uh, coming and talking. I'm glad we recorded that. This is fucking epic. I know we didn't even have this planned. You just call me up and be like, get on. Let's do a, let's talk about books. I'm like, all right. This made my day. Happy to help, man. All right. Thank you, man. See you, brother. That's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you did and you're interested in writing your own book, go check out Tucker's free class on how to write your own book at scribewriting.com slash bookschool. That's scribewriting.com slash bookschool. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go do a business together. And before you go, make sure not to email me at podcast at okdork.com. I will actually check if you tweet me at Noah Kagan on the Twitterverse. Also, remember to go subscribe to my email list. Come on now. I put my best tips into a single short email I send only once a week, and that's sendfox.com slash Noah, sendfox.com slash Noah. And I told you a little bit before, but if you are an entrepreneur and you want to grow your business, you need software and tools to help scale it. AppSumo.com is the number one place online for software deals for entrepreneurs. Enjoy lifetime deals. Go check it out, AppSumo.com. And a final special thanks to Jason at podcasttech.com for doing what he does on these episodes. He makes it sound so good compared to what the original version is, people. And a special thanks to Mitchell, David, Jeremy, Michael of the Dork Team for the magic you guys do. And a special shout out to Garrett Grimm. I'm so glad I met you years ago. You are such a great guy. You're in the top 1% of everything. Keep doing what you do. You're the best. Have a spectacular day. What's your favorite YouTube channel?